0: hey, we continue our sermon series on the essentials. Um, faith, hope, and love. love. All right. Yeah, awesome. I, I saw you say that. I saw you. Good. And we've been exploring hope in September. And uh, remember in Hebrews, it says, uh, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being certain of what we hope for and um, certain of what we do not see. You know, hope is an essential element in our worry. And this, today, our scripture lesson leads us to understand and reflect on how we are called to hope, called to hope. One of my favorite modern day expressions about Jesus uh, goes something like this. The people who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. The people who are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. I think it really comes true uh, in our passage uh, this morning. Out of Gospel According to Matthew. If, you, uh, have, if you're here with us, we have uh, sermon notes so you can follow along. Uh, but also if you are watching online, you can download those notes uh, from our website. I'll read the passage of Scripture and then you can take notes along uh, as we... Uh, are encouraged through God's word. Matthew chapter nine. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Imagine the scene, a man sitting in a tax booth, um, all of a sudden gets up, follows Jesus, leaves his livelihood behind, and follows Jesus and the disciples. Disciples. Later we see Jesus uh, at Matthew's house with the disciples, and they're having a party. Uh, more tax collectors and riffraff show up at this uh, party. It seems to be getting out of hand because a neighbor calls, The authorities, and the authorities show up, the Pharisees. Jesus sees them, and then when the Pharisees arrive, there is Jesus and the disciples right in the middle of this party. Crooks and riffraff, the Pharisees grumble. Then Jesus gives them three short sentences. He shares a proverb, he quotes scripture, and then he tells them why he has come. This episode of Jesus' ministry demonstrates what I believe is a call to hope. A call to hope. And a call to hope begins with compassion. call to hope begins with compassion. Now, if you've been around the church long enough, you know what, what the deal is with tax collectors, right? Why are they considered and lumped in with pagans and sinners? Well, in the first century of Palestine... Roman, it was under Roman control, and so what they did is that they uh, subcontracted Jewish nationals to collect taxes for the Roman government. The tax collector was personally responsible to collect taxes for their area, their region, and anything they collected above and beyond, well, they get to keep. So this business was highly unregulated, and you could see the things with corrupt practices that would come out of this. It was common knowledge of the tax collectors. They were squeezing the population for as much money as they could get. That's why they, people couldn't pronounce tax collector without spitting or judging. Likewise, the people who know about these things, a tax collector had to buy their way into this franchise. And they would need um, some capital. And the way they got the capital is that they would sell property, their own private land. You wouldn't want to do that in the first century as a Jew. It was almost as, as if you were giving up your own birthright by selling your own property. So there was a significant weight on these individuals. So that's why on a righteousness scale, the tax collectors were lumped in with the sinners and the pagans and the outsiders, the unwelcome, the uninvited. For Jesus to stop and acknowledge the tax collector, this individual um, was tantamount uh, blasphemy for Jesus, knowing this, Jesus breaks down all barriers, uh, breaks over breaks through the old categories, the old covenant, and begins a call of compassion. You know, I think so sometimes in our own lives that and our relationship with God, and our understanding of God, sometimes we might think God looks down on us, not with compassion, but more with judgment, on condemnation. I don't know how, maybe you were raised that way. I think in my early Christian life, I kind of had a feeling that God just looks down, angry with us in judgment. But look what Jesus does. He walks by the tax collector. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't uh, you know, call him a name. He doesn't walk way around uh, and avoid him. He calls him. And Jesus has compassion on Matthew. And when Matthew hears the voice of hope, he's wrapped in compassion. His heart is filled with promise, and he has the courage to stand up and walk away from the tax booth, and follow Jesus. The call of hope begins with compassion. In your life and in mine. What does Paul say to the first century church? You are dearly beloved, dearly beloved. Now show compassion, show compassion. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ, in Christ God has forgiven you. Showing compassion for others, for those on the outside, is our charge because we have experienced compassion in our lives. We have been forgiven. One of the core values of our congregation is to show compassion, is um, compassionate service and the things that we're involved in, reaching out with love and grace and compassion to others. Maybe you think about your week ahead of you. Where will you be called to demonstrate the hope that we have? making it tangible by being compassionate with someone. Not only does the call of hope uh, begin with compassion, it leads to celebration. The next scene is Jesus at at Matthew's house and his friends at the party. Uh, I want to believe that Jesus was the instigator of this party. Why not? He wants to celebrate. He wants to celebrate because something was lost and now it's found. When you lose something, when you lose your car keys... And then you find them. What do you do? You, you say, yeah, I found my car keys. I can get to where I need to go. If you lose a five-year-old at the sports park for 10 minutes, you better believe you celebrate. It happened to me. I found him climbing in a tree. I celebrated. I hugged him. I said, man, don't ever do this again. When something is lost and then is found, we want to Celebrate. Some of the church's favorite stories, parables of Jesus, are all about something that was lost and then is found. The lost son who squanders his inheritance. is desperate. He returns to his father. His father sees him. The father runs and embraces him. The son makes up all these excuses. Hey, dad, why don't I just, um, I'm your servant at your house. I'll, I'll clean the, the horse stalls and the dad will hear none of that. Silly talk. He puts a robe on his son. And what does he want to do? He wants to celebrate. He wants to celebrate what is lost and what is found. It's celebration. Celebration is vital to the Christian life. It's vital for our life as a congregation. We celebrate here together today. We celebrate when we worship. We celebrate when somebody joins your Bible study group. You celebrate when there's a baptism. You celebrate when we we gather together for the Lord's Supper. We celebrate when we are affirmed in our faith. We celebrate in our life with Christ. Jesus did. And the call to hope leads to celebration. Think about your week Where will you need to celebrate? Where will you be affirmed in your faith as you celebrate? Maybe it's a a phone call as you talk to somebody. Our world right now, dear friends, there's a need for celebration. Even in the midst of our turmoil and uncertainty, we need to celebrate. A call to hope leads us to celebration. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. The call to hope not only leads to, to celebration. The call of hope restores community. The call to hope restores community. Let's go back to the text. What's going on? They're at a party. Um, it's in full swing. The music is pumping. The Pharisees show up and realizing this. They realize that Jesus is the leader of this racket. Um, they begin to question him. And so Jesus uh, says a few things. He says, you know, the, the Pharisees are in their minds thinking, you know, if this guy is righteous, how could he allow all these people to, to be around him, the likes of these people? Further, why would any rabbi allow his table to be, be soiled by such unrighteous people? I've always been curious, why do the Pharisees get so upset about all this? Big deal. I mean, leave them alone. Why are they so bent out of shape? Well, to give the Pharisees a little credit, they were taught early on what righteousness was and that righteousness was a priority in their lives and psalm 1 5 it says sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous they had to memorize this stuff they lived this out god loves righteousness and hates wickedness that's out of psalm 45 7 what Jesus is doing seems to be the exact opposite of what these passages of scriptures that they were called to memorize and, and to live their life by. Jesus is hanging out with all the wrong people. And they have to correct and condemn this unrighteousness. Biblical scholars suggest that righteousness operates on two levels. It means do not or doing certain things. So, You know, worshiping, tithing, giving alms to the poor. That's righteousness, doing certain things. And it's also not doing certain things. Uh, Lying, stealing, harming others in word and deed. And yet on another level, righteousness as God calls his people, namely righteousness is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And all your strength. And to love love your neighbor as yourself. This comes right out of their text, right out of their scriptures, and they're ignoring them. For Jesus' righteousness practice on the surface is an expression of a deeper love you have for God. What Jesus has uncovered is that um, for the Pharisees, they have detached righteous acts from the love of neighbor. The righteous acts become an, an end in themselves, a way of affirming themselves before God, a way of showing, Look at God, I'm all good, I'm good, I've got it all in control. And that's why Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus turns everything upside down, doesn't he? Here's my translation of what Jesus says When the doctors serve, they do not avoid the sick. They don't avoid the areas that need healing. They don't avoid the areas that need, that are broken, and where life has broken down. The call to hope is to serve where life has broken down, to restore community. That's what a church is called to do. In the first century, we learn of how the first century Christians and those small communities, how they would go out and, and help the sick and, and help the poor. And they would gather around and care for them. That's a, a foundation of the church. It's restoring people to community. I was reading some research about uh, the religious life of the United States. And the headline of this was that the U.S. public, public is becoming less and less religious. But as you dig down into this study, we find that there's some remarkable statistics of how many people want to express their spirituality. Part of the survey revealed that the general population in the United States is becoming more and more spiritual, more and more interested in, in the wonder of creation, about the universe, which is translated into a desire to care for the planet. To, to seek justice, to, to help those who are oppressed, making their spirituality tangible. My read on this is that we have a surging population desiring to, a sense of belonging, desiring to express their spirituality in community. And an opportunity for, the con- for a congregation, opportunity for the church, to come alongside people thirsty for what? For faith, for hope. And love, friends. I think we have a wonderful opportunity as a congregation, as we move through this pandemic that we are experiencing, and as we move into the future. God is calling us to express this hope in our lives, to restore community, to invite people into a living, active relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what our call is. We are called to be a people of hope to a world that is struggling to find that hope. And the call of hope begins with compassion. And maybe it begins with compassion in your own family, compassion with the ones you love the most, compassion to your neighbors. The call of hope also leads to celebration, dear friends, celebrating together what God has done in and through your life so that the world can see that we have hope. The call of hope restores community, restores community in our lives and beckons us to care for those. The people who were nothing like Jesus, really like Jesus. I want to be like that. I want to be a church that, and a people of God that attracts those who are broken, who are sick, who need friendship, who need love. Dear friends, as we gather together and we hear God's word, we respond. We respond with gratitude. We respond in giving. And I want to thank you for your generosity these last few months, your generosity throughout the month of September. Thank you as we continue to give and to the ministries that God has called us to, allowing us to be online, allowing us to to care for our community, to reach out in ways not only here locally but throughout the world. So thank you for your giving. You can give online. You can send a check to the church. And you can give here today as we gather uh, in worship. Let me pray for the offering. Gracious God, we thank you for your love and grace in our lives. We thank you for the reminder as Jesus walked by that tax booth and called Matthew out and his life was changed because of the call of hope. God, we all have that call of hope in our lives as you reach out to us individually and corporately. And when we respond to this call of hope, we respond with compassion and celebration. We respond in giving, and we respond by restoring community. Thank you, God, for restoring us unto you. May these gifts that we share continue to restore community, not only here in Orange County, but throughout the world. God, we thank you for faith, hope, and love.